0: i'm lauren i'm tia i'm anna and this is the journey to transformation welcome everyone to the van welcome anna nice to have you thank you for having me today we're joined by anna ludman the director of valued recruitment a company that focuses on ethical recruitment for nonprofits and businesses that do good things i know we have lots of questions <laughs> <laughs> but first tell us
1: about yourself tell us about your journey Okay. So I've been a recruiter for around 12 years. Don't hate me. I'm a good one. one.
2: (laughs) We wouldn't let you in the van if you
1: weren't. (laughs) We have such a bad reputation, but I'm a nice one. So I look back already at my journey when I started recruiting and I'm already a bit ashamed as to how I spoke to candidates, how I spoke to clients. We're yes people. So recruiters, we get a job in. Yes, 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 yes. Now I look back and I think how many people were, was I alienating by saying yes? so i've been on this journey for the last few years where i'm really having a think about who am i not representing and that comes from my own lived experience of a couple of things so a few years ago my husband became really really sick overnight and there was nothing wrong with him he was he was great he was fine and suddenly over a two-year period he had days where he couldn't walk he couldn't get off the sofa he went to the toilet about 20 times a day and it all came out of nowhere And we realized that he had Crohn's disease. So he really struggled going to the workplace and he still has Crohn's disease, but he was fitted with a colostomy bag at the age of 27 and that's changed his life. So we call it Bilbo Baggins and Bilbo Baggins (laughs) is my friend and I, I adore Bilbo, but it's changed his life and thankfully he can live quite a well life now. But he really struggles in the morning. So because of that experience, I realised that someone like Dexter now does not have access to the workplace as we know it. So that happened. A couple of years later, we had our first child, Lily. We've since had our second daughter, Betsy. I realised as a mother, working part-time, I now don't have access to the workplace as we know it so two very work we work really hard we love working we're very ambitious for us to now not have access to 99% of jobs out there because they're advertised as full-time, was a bit of a shock. So when I went back to work, I realised that all of these people years ago said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You work part-time. No, we don't have those jobs. I was part of the problem. So I've since started up Valued to try and rectify that and try and represent those candidates that historically have not been represented. That's kind of my story in a very, very short.
0: <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's amazing. And really heartfelt to hear the lived experiences you went through and then how you're bringing that into Valued Recruitment. And so you started Valued Recruitment a year or two ago? Yeah, here we go. Wow, amazing. And how's yeah. that going? It's going really well. It's really, yeah, really well. I
1: mean, it's a ridiculous idea to set up a new company during lockdown, right? That's I genuine, mean, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we're,
2: we're all in good company for that. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: true. But I think, do you know, I was working at a really lovely organisation before, really lovely, but I was arguing with clients every day. So a client would send me a job and I'd say, why is it on there? why does it need to be full-time? Why are you asking for a carbon copy of the person that was in the role? Can we reimagine it? So I argued with people all the time and it got to the point that it was a bit awkward and I thought, if I'm arguing with my clients, I probably need to do that on my own rather than (laughs) with someone else's name attached to it. So that's when I decided to go on my own. I thought, enough's enough. And it was difficult to know how brave can I be? How outspoken can I be? And as the years gone on, I've become more and more brave. And that's been a really liberating journey to be
2: on amazing the space of no fucks given Yes. yeah, is, <laughs> yeah. when you get it. there it feels really really good it does it feels really good i it think does. i kind of hit that peak maybe about three years ago mm-hmm. that's where i was just like i just know I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I, yeah, it
0: feels really good. I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm hitting it now. I'm like getting into it. And it's a really good feeling. It's really
2: nice. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking back a lot, though. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. no. What if yeah. I created? I'd, like I'd like you to give some fucks. <laughs> <laughs> So talk about some of these arguments that you're having. What were you talking about then? What were the pain points that you were seeing then and that you're seeing now? So some is about wanting these cookie cutter individuals that maybe doesn't match real life anymore or the way that people's lives are complicated. But what are some of the other tricky points that you're jumping into and tackling?
1: Oh my gosh, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> um, how many hours do we it have?
2: We can do multiple ideas. segments time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. So there are so many people that are not being represented. And I'm just figuring this out. You know, I come from a place of white privilege. I'm able-bodied. I live in Surrey, a very white suburban area. I appreciate my privilege. and I'm trying to use that. To really try and do something good with that privilege. But I am learning all the time. So the people that are being underrepresented, I'm just learning about this at the moment and I'm doing the work. And I think that's what I'm trying to say to my clients do the work, it doesn't stop. So with Valued, I don't know everything. I'm not the most inclusive recruiter in the world. I am constantly learning and I'm constantly trying to do the work. But the people I have so far, seen that are being really massively underrepresented are people with disabilities. I mean, that is a huge huge issue in the charity sector. Single parents is a massive issue in the charity sector. People of colour, women at a senior level. I mean, we know these problems exist, but my frustration is recruitment's never changed, ever, ever. The job descriptions I'm getting are the same job descriptions I was getting seven years ago. They have not changed. The amount that's changed in the world since that point, and that job description has not changed. And what I'm saying to clients is you are looking for a carbon copy of the person in that role. You're not reimagining it. You're not looking at who could add value to your organisation. You're just wanting the same person for the same hours and you're dictating how they work and when they work. And I'm done with that. I don't think it works in today's society. It never has done, but particularly post-COVID, that does not work. So there are a whole host of people, amazing people that could do wonderful things, but they just need a bit of flex. That's all they need. <laughs> they need to be able to say, I'd love to work for you, but mornings are difficult for me. So I need to work from home in the mornings or I want three days a week or I want condensed hours or I'm a of my elderly mum and dad and I need to start work at 10. Whatever it is, we've all got stuff going on and we just need an employer to embrace those differences and our individuality and bring us on board. And I think that if we had difference in an organisation, our organisation will flourish. So stop trying to replicate this sameness. It's boring and <laughs> That is why there is no diversity in the charity sector. <laughs> it is simple. It's, so but isn't simple.
0: It, it's just crazy that the charity sector is there, mm-hmm. given its own mm-hmm. mandate, mm-hmm. its own potential values that it puts out there, you know, and, yeah. and that values mismatch is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah, that is a massive frustration
1: for me in yeah. terms of I work with a disability charity and I ask, how many people with disabilities do you have in your organization? And it is one, two percent. It's outrageous. On a positive, if I think of an organization that has done the work this year and I I've been really impressed. I spoke to a chief executive when I first started last year and their charity supports single parent families who are in poverty. Really, really wonderful charity. He came to me and said, how can we be doing things better, Anna? I want to do better. How can we diversify? How can we ensure that we're doing as much as we can for our beneficiaries? I looked at his job packs and I said, they're all full time. So not one of your beneficiaries could go for any of your jobs, any of them, because you're looking for somebody who has got a support network around them, maybe has two parents in that family. You're not accessing anybody that can work part-time so he immediately switched every job pack to full-time part-time or a job share and we literally overnight enabled all of their beneficiaries to be able to apply for that job he didn't stop there he's been going on countless courses to try and increase his knowledge around diversity inclusion anti-racism menopause policies it sounds cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he is and that's who I want to work with and that yeah. is someone who is doing the work and constantly doing the work it doesn't have to just stop and that that job pack so there are good people doing good things but you've really got to assess what are we doing and yes we have a diversity problem that's because of what we're doing now Mm -hmm. we need to change that
2: it sounds like you're really looking at the systemic stuff so in Mm -hmm. the work that lauren and i do we're often like look you've institutionalized this way of thinking this practice Mm -hmm. how did you do it you did it because that white dude 15 years ago hired people they liked, then they hired people that they liked, and then they just kept replicating, as you said before. And so we're often talking about, like, you need to get different people, different minds into your workspaces, and reducing all of those barriers. So talking about even a menopause policy, which is something that we're hearing more and more organizations start to talk about, is one that also just seems a little bit weird that we haven't been thinking yeah. about yeah. that <laughs> right. as well. And like the mm-hmm. barriers, we had a woman who was talking about Louise. Hi, Louise. She was talking about she's been on this journey herself to to get organizations to think about it from that perspective because of brain fog and all of this stuff that's really important to consider. And I also wonder, you were saying before about post-COVID, it almost also feels like people are just like not taking shit anymore. Yeah, We got a taste of the good life. We didn't go to work. We got to work from home. Now it, it almost feels like a collective unionizing around better work environments. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. People have had enough. Mm-hmm. People are done. And I want to make it clear, valued would not be here if it wasn't for COVID because January 2020, I was still arguing with clients about one day working from home. That's just yeah, that's <laughs> what, know, I, years I ago. Was, I I mean I've been furious for a long time, right? Yes. That's, let's just <laughs> yeah. put it out there. I'm I'm constantly furious about things. That's that's just me. You're in and good that's, company. <laughs> <love it. laughs> but that was the arguments I was having and the clients that were coming back to me the hiring managers saying how can we trust someone that's going to open the floodgates that's just going to mean a set of precedent for everyone else in the organization and that in terms of disability and caring responsibilities you know all of that the amount of people that couldn't access work because they were being asked to go into london five days a week so yeah absolutely since covid that's the only reason valued is here because those are the arguments i was having (laughs) two years ago it's ridiculous (laughs) thankfully that working from home element with most people Was one, you know, people can be trusted, people can work how they want to work and they do a great job. But since then, absolutely, that fire is there and (laughs) people are saying no and people are being asked to go back into the office three, four, sometimes five days a week. They're being asked to go back into the office in London and people are done. People are done. And as soon as an office and as soon as an organisation decides that's what we're going to do, I get CVs
2: sent to me straight away from candidates saying,
1: no, thank you. No, thank you. So...
2: Yeah, people are done. It's interesting that link between if I don't see you in an office, I can't trust that you're working. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've dicked around in an office <laughs> yeah, for right. hours. Yeah. But that's yeah. not just because yeah. you can see me doesn't mean you know that I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't. And I actually yeah. find that in the COVIDs that people were probably working more to offset that. Mm. Working mm-hmm. longer hours, harder, doing more to prove that they were busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you had more time as well, though, didn't you? Because you went on the commute to London, which for some people took an hour and a half. So you actually gained time, which yeah. was a real benefit.
2: How much time do you save not having to like put your pants on and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and your shoes. Like, exactly. <laughs> if you added that time up, that'd be a good amount of time. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly but it's the amount of money people have saved you know the commuting costs they've saved why would they want to go back to that life they see their kids more they take them on the school run but I also want to caveat that and say there are people that need office working and it's about empowering people to work the way that works best for them I've got I know an individual with autism and he really needs structure he really needs routine he Mm. needs to get onto that same train every Mm. single day to get to the office and when lockdown came that was a really difficult time Mm. for him and his family so He would absolutely thrive in an environment where it was structured and there was a time frame, and he went into an office and and did that job, and you would get the best out of that individual because that's how he best works. Then I also have a candidate who has a child with multiple complex needs, and they have twenty-seven different care providers that they need to speak to and manage and liaise with because of their child. Working from home has given that family their life back; they've given them their mental health back. They've been able to support their child, support their care needs so much more effectively because they've been working from home. So it's about seeing individuals for individuals and also not to say that you will always have the same set of circumstances. One guy that is saying, "I'm absolutely happy to go into London 5 days a week. Yeah, count me in." Well, give it 10 years, they might have elderly parents that might need them to, mm. you know, help care for them every morning. Things change, yeah. and you've got to look at an individual as, as an individual. And by doing that, you will retain that person in your organization. They won't look for work elsewhere and they will be happy and more productive. It's really simple. Yeah,
0: I mean, when you put it like that, I'm, yeah, I'm you, now... s- you make it sound yeah. simple. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> You make it sound so simple, so easy and yes everyone should be doing this, but you're still getting pushback, I presume. Oh I mean, huge. can you tell us more about that? Huge. So again, when
1: I first started out it was really difficult to know how brave to be because again as a recruiter, you're a yes person. We're that's what we're told to do. that's how we're trained. you get a job in yes, we'll take it, yes 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 so to shift that mindset and say okay hang on thank you for giving me your work but I have a few questions for you that's quite a difficult thing to shift in your mind but I've started to do that more and more last year it was very much around having my mission having my values but you've got to offset that with paying the bills you know we've got a young family and so that yes mentality would sometimes creep in but certainly over the last six months I've been stronger and I've turned down a lot of roles so in the last two weeks I've turned down eight jobs which is Crazy, right? From a money perspective, what am I doing? <laughs> but they didn't fit with my values. And I've said to them, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you working this way? One organization, for example, I won't name no names. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, they're a lovely charity. They're beneficiaries. What they do is fantastic. But I said to them, what is your wheelchair accessibility like at your office? And they said, oh, we've recently paid for a new office, but it costs more money to be on the ground floor and for it to be accessible. Mm. We're a charity and we're not going to pay that. Nice. And that was a response from a charity in 2022 Whoa. so I wrote back and I said that's not okay you are alienating the exact candidate that I am trying to represent and mm. I am trying to get fantastic work opportunities for I will not be representing you thank you very much so it's around having those hard those really hard conversations and being strong with your mission and values but it's still shocking those
0: things are still happening yeah it gives me shivers a little bit mm. I mean I'm
2: it it, me really annoyed yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Did they ever reply to you when you push back? Yeah, they did say, you know,
1: good for you being so steadfast in your mission and yeah. they wish me luck in yeah. what i'm doing <laughs> no you i need luck
0: not
2: me yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm good <laughs> Yeah,
1: but i know five years down the line their workforce will look the same they are yeah. not diversified at all yeah. yeah you know their beneficiaries will not be represented in their staff yeah. i know that but yeah. i don't want to put my name to it yeah. yeah and i've now got the freedom to be able to do that whereas working for another organization i wasn't able to do that before right. so that has been quite liberating but yes oh there's so many countless <laughs> countless things Get Give us another one. (laughs) I mean, as well, multi-agency roles. So I'm saying I will only work exclusively on opportunities at the moment. And I absolutely believe that because you can only recruit inclusively. You can only ensure that it's a welcoming, supportive, empowering process for candidates if you have complete control over that process. If you're working against or up against four other agencies that are all trying to get to that candidate before the other person and some recruiters are cowboys and they're trying to squeeze candidates into... Jobs that they, they don't want. I don't want to be aligned with that. I don't want to be competing against people like that. I want to be doing a good job and doing it properly. And I also want to be advising clients around what does your job pack say? What is your EDI policy? You know, what's your yeah. menopause policies? What's your breastfeeding policies? What's your maternity policies look like? What's your sickness policies? I want to really dig down into their organization and what are they doing with people that are working there. What's your wellness initiatives? like I can't do that when I'm up against other organizations trying to fill that same role I'm never going to make a difference if I'm doing that so I'm now steadfast and saying I will only work on exclusive roles which again is quite a leap as an independent recruiter
0: yeah I mean, people should have huge respect for that, though. And in the charity sector, you're basically echoing the values that they should have back at them. I can't wait till
2: we're like that. <laughs> so we ask, how open to change are you? How capable are you and your organization in terms of hearing negative feedback or things that you would would be surprised by? Are you ready to learn from that? But we always get like, yeah, we we want to hear it. We want to hear all of it. Tell us everything we We really want to change. And the second, we're like, Oh, here's some dodgy shit' <laughs> like, no, 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 yes, oh, no, no, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> Hence the podcast.
0: I mean, do you find that at all? Maybe the terms of reference of what they say seems good, but then when you go into I don't know there. A
1: (laughs) hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent. So, I mean, I'm a massive believer in the show the salary campaign and the non-graduate's welcome campaign. So yeah, red flags when it says in a job pack, you know, has to be degree qualified. Why? What on earth are you doing? And yeah, there are jobs that I take on and it gets to the interview and a candidate comes away feeling really disheartened, feeling like they were grilled interview. I mean how dare they this Mm. should be a collaborative I always say to candidates this is a collaborative conversation you've got to want to work for them Mm. as well it's not a one-sided conversation you've got to determine whether they are the right organisation for you to work for so for a candidate to walk away and feel like they were grilled and they weren't respected and their time wasn't respected that is shocking and that is a red flag for me when someone is offered a role and they try and get a candidate as cheap as possible that is a red flag you know that is shocking they're not valuing that candidate's time they're not valuing their experience, they're trying to save money, which let's be honest, if that was a white man that was going for that interview, that conversation wouldn't be happening. If it's a part-time mum, that conversation is happening. That's something that pisses me off time and time again. So there are red flags constantly, and there are difficult conversations that I'm having constantly. But it does mean that I'm slowly having a pool of clients that are amazing, that I am so privileged to be working with, and I am so proud to be partnering with, because they genuinely are charities that are making a difference, and they're wanting to do really great things for their beneficiaries and I want to be aligned with them and they're continuously doing the work. So I would much rather work with a smaller amount of fantastic people that I feel really excited about placing people into rather than working with everybody that I feel very uncomfortable with some of their practices.
2: It's really hard though to get into that mentality of the two-way interview Mm -hmm. because there's just such a massive power dynamic that needs to be overcome for the interviewee like as I said a few years ago is the first time when I was like no fucks given and that's when I I went into an interview and I was like okay so can you just they were like so do you have any questions and I was like yeah I just have one question because I think I'm pretty clear on what it is that you do can you just tell me in what ways you might be challenging or reinforcing systems of oppression in the workplace Mm -hmm. and they were like (laughs) and I was like I appreciate this is a hard question but I want to know if this is going to be a terrible place for me to work (laughs) I just need you to tell me if it's going to be horrible. And I'll know by the way you answer this question. It's hard to get into a space of being able to ask those types of questions back because that's also from being in a place of privilege where I just left a relatively well-paying job and had an opportunity to coast off of that. But if I hadn't been back in the workforce in a while and really needed that job, I think they would have been like, we're a bunch of white supremacists. Cool, fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm really adaptable and flexible in the workplace. What you need and how you enter that space really depends on what you need. Mm -hmm. The best organizations I'm finding
1: are comfortable with their uncomfortableness. I think that's the point. We're all having really uncomfortable conversations right now, but it's trying to really bed into that and really delve into that and enjoying that learning experience. But if you're shying away from those conversations, then absolutely they're not the organization to be joining. At all,
2: at all. So yeah, I find that all the time. And that's the thing that we like when people are like, yeah, it's going to be gross and painful and hard, but we want to try and do it anyways. I always like that. I don't mind how weird and uncomfortable people get in that (laughs) process as long as they're trying to work through it
0: yeah yeah no I totally get that I've always gone with the mindset that I need to have two or three questions to ask them at the end of everything and I think I try like you to make them somewhat creative I there was one interview I went for for a large organization and a lot of shit got down in that organization and I was like so why are you still working for them <laughs> because <laughs> I was like I need to know why are you still there then yeah <laughs> so yeah I think it's a really good critical approach but you're
1: right it is a place of privilege being able to be picky about yeah. who you're working with yeah. My mothers in particular who really struggle to get jobs it's really really difficult for mothers to get back into the workplace for them to ask those hard questions that is a very very difficult thing to do and they don't have the privileged position to be able to do that. But yeah, I absolutely think that that shift needs to happen because it is such a candidate short market. And I'm saying to candidates, there are not enough candidates out there and there are so many jobs. So you are in demand. And I'm saying to clients, you need to shift your thinking. This isn't, oh, look how many CVs we've got. Look at all these brilliant candidates to choose. You're having to pick the best candidate as quickly as possible because someone else is going to snap them up. And you've got to entice that candidate and show them how wonderful you're going Organization is so that they pick you. That dynamic has shifted. Mm-hmm. And if a client is so old-fashioned they haven't realized that, the
0: candidate's never gonna come and work for you. Yeah, that's such an empowering place to be. I feel like we need to shout that from the roof oh, you.
2: Yeah. Do you think that's why we've gotten like a quite a few back-to-back projects? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a candidate short market. Like, hey, maybe <laughs> it is, it's a good time. And I say it's candidates, it's a good time to be looking. If you're looking for a new job, start now. It's a good time to be looking.
0: Do you find that there's a difference between like the size of the organization in terms of how they approach these things? So, I mean, because we, a lot of our clients are big international development organizations. And I think, you know, they move at a slower, more bureaucratic pace, I'd say.
2: Yeah, in um, their recruitment, in the thinking. Yeah, in the... versus maybe
0: a smaller kind of national charity maybe
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the larger charities kill me absolutely kill me. <laughs> it's so difficult I so believe I love the charity sector I probably should say that actually it's, uh, you know, I don't yeah, know we love anything. it too <laughs> I we you know, just also hate it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're here because we believe in the premise of it I adore the charity sector I love what it does I love being a part of it but the big charities the work that they do is phenomenal but They've almost gotten so big, they've completely lost sight of how to treat people. And that is a massive frustration for me. The last straw, actually, at my old organisation was I worked with the biggest charity. (laughs) (laughs) and I worked on a job so it was a 60 grand job really big job for them I worked really really hard on that project and one of the candidates I put forward was a part-time mum she was absolutely phenomenal now what she had done in her current organisation is she'd gone on mat leave when she came back she asked for part-time hours and they demoted her so she was for example on 60 grand she went on mat leave she came back she said can I do four days a week they said absolutely not we can offer you four days a week at 50 grand you're demoted she had no choice but to accept it. Wow. She accepted it. She went for an interview for this job that she absolutely could do. She was the right candidate, she'd smash it they offered her the job. They said, absolutely, we'll offer you the job. What is your current salary? That is a big no-no. All that does, asking someone what their current salary is, is perpetuating their current ethnicity gap, pay gap, gender pay gap that they are currently facing. That's all that's doing is perpetuating that. You should be looking at offering them the salary they deserve rather than what they're currently on at the moment. And science research has shown that again white men of privilege will pretend they're on a higher salary so that question doesn't make any sense because basically if you can black more you will it doesn't make any sense they offered her the job and they offered her £12,000 less than the advertised salary she was so grateful that a charity of that brand had offered her that senior level position that she accepted oh wow and I left because I could not be associated with that practice anymore I couldn't be associated with getting somebody as cheap as possible and it just perpetuates that this woman because she had some time out of the workplace yeah. was so grateful for that opportunity and I couldn't bear it I yeah. couldn't bear it anymore and that is the last draw and that's why I left
2: wow yeah <laughs> that's <I>
0: really think... <laughs> hard, disheartening yeah, <laughs> yeah. but we, we
2: know it goes on yeah we, we feel that yeah it really drives me crazy I mean it's good because it motivates a lot of the work that I want to be doing and the changes that I want to see it's almost like when I hear she Shitty stories, it fuels me. I'm like, yes, okay, now I know. I think when things are good, I'm just gonna be like, oh, oh. I might just have to like create problems. I mean, they're never gonna be that good. Yeah, they are never do nothing they They're on. never gonna be that good. But it's it's just interesting when you're talking about these gaps that organizations create when they shouldn't. We finished a project. And it was this whole thing about they want to like decolonize their practice. So they moved their headquarters to They just happened to also ship a bunch of white people to that head office. And I remember having an interview with somebody and he was like, we're trying to decolonize. We're trying to do this thing. One, we don't even know what that means. He was like, I tried to give up my job so that somebody who lived in the global South could take my position because my job doesn't need to be here And they wouldn't let me do it because they didn't want to have to pay the leaving money to him. Hang on. You you literally have somebody in a weird position who's like, take my job away from me. Yeah. He was a white man, by the way. So fine. (laughs) (laughs) You can find another job really easily. (laughs) This is a really massive gap between what you want to do and you have somebody facilitating the process for you. And now you're literally just creating reasons for why you can't really live those values in that moment. It's just quite shocking. <laughs> it's just yeah. just shocking. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it is the larger charities. That is what's, it's really difficult. Although I will point out, I mean, I don't know if they would you call them, they're not one of the largest charities, but Friends of the Earth are doing amazing things at the moment and I want to shout out to them. They are going to be piloting a four-day week for all of their staff. come Oh, October. amazing. They have got working groups for black women. They've got working groups for non-binary staff members. They've got men of pause clinics they've got are they hiring yeah <laughs> um,
2: <they're>... Bye, Lauren.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and in town they get a climate day off each like a they just get a day off nice. to do nice things for the of the Earth uh, for the Earth.
2: Nice to be <laughs> friends get, of the Earth. Yeah, I love yeah. it. They that's get right.
1: amazing annual leaves. They get they get so many amazing well being initiatives. And again, it's about seeing their staff yeah. members as, as individuals, and that's what's so important and welcomed and embraced and empowered to be themselves from day one. So that organisation, I'm very excited about working with. I see the work that they're putting in, and I think it helps that their chief executive is a co-chief executive. They're a job share pair, oh, and yes. it's a guy, a white guy. With which is very, very unusual to be in a job share with an amazing woman, Miriam. And they have just fed into this wonderful culture of it's okay that you've got a life outside of work. That's fine. Yeah. So someone like that, I'm really excited about.
0: That is really exciting. Yeah. And you've got me thinking about how much do you engage with the CEO? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that influence this entire culture. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Is that usually the case? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And you can tell
1: from day one if they've got founder syndrome. They've been in that... organization so what it's called yeah founder okay. syndrome they've been there for 30 years they've done things the same way they can't look at recruiting or right. diversifying their workforce okay. at all because they've been doing the same thing for 30 years it's their baby I stay well clear
0: yeah. <laughs> of any of those charities thank you do you have like a, a blog tip sheet or something I feel like all these tips <laughs> or are a amazing that yeah. we could have I'm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, like I'm trying to like document all
1: these tips <laughs> but yeah I mean the Friends of the Earth Chief Executive I met him because I was trying to promote job sharing in the charity sector and was asking people, would you be open to chatting about this or doing a, a video alive with me about this? And he said, yeah, I will. I'm such a massive fan. I think more people should job share. I'll do this. Um, so him straight away, you know, I was like, yes. Yeah. And he's a massive, he really empowers women, empowers mothers, empowers part-time workers. He is someone who absolutely, I think, is a fantastic leader. And again, this small charity that I've been working with, the guy that's been ringing me saying, what else can I be doing, Anna? What what else can we be doing? What other course can I be going on? He's doing the work. And that, from a very senior level, has ensured that the rest of the organisation is having to do the work as well.
2: Nice. I think it really matters when the leadership, particularly if they are white and male, when they are putting in the effort. Because we did a project for The project team was saying all the right things and we were like, cool, all right, we're going to do some transformational shit. We're going to shake this whole thing up. The more up the ladder you got, the more diluted the message became to the point when it came back the other way. I was like, this isn't what? (laughs) (laughs) This this is all... No, this no, I don't I don't like any of this. And our biggest thing that we really really emphasized was the role of leadership. If you don't put this in, if you don't embed it, if you don't support it, it's not going to work. So you can have all of these clusters, you can do as many of these reviews as you want and thank you very much for the money, but it's not going to matter. You spent this money for nothing if your leadership aren't behind the change. It's a massive international organization. The examples we pulled out that were really really good, had strong female leadership, but just strong leadership who were really behind gender equality, gender equity, diversity, inclusion. They were really, really behind it. The ones that were the shittiest, which was, <laughs> was the one where they were so resistant to it. And they were like, it's fine. It's cool. No big deal. That <laughs> No, that's fine. That's normal. That's office banter. <laughs> like, <laughs> You guys are gross. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Cringe.
2: We'll cut a lot of that out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's my struggle. That's my frustration is that the charity sector have got to be seen to be doing the work. They've got to be seen to be diversifying. Mm -hmm. And I get calls saying, hi, we've heard that you're an inclusive recruiter. Here's a job pack. Thanks. Send us CVs in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. (laughs) No. What have you done? Where are you at? What's your current workforce look like? And they say, oh, no, yeah, we're, we're great. We've all been here. It's like a family. Oh, Oh
2: no, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Oh, you're thinking not okay. is thriller. Yeah,
1: as a family, you will look the same, you will do the same stuff. And that's what's difficult. But like I say, as time goes on, it's been quite nice to say no. And that's what I think we've all... People are only going to get better if you push back and say, we will not help you. Sorry, you're not yeah. where we want to be.
2: I often think that people try and do that with us because with it, with this... Example. We were like, oh, so what did you like about our proposal? they're like, we love that you said like feminist and anti-racist in the first sentence. And I was like, cool. Okay. But now I'm realizing that actually what they wanted was that label and then one brown one, one white one, two women to legitimize. Yeah. And are no behavior. questions
1: beyond that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what I'm worried about. I don't want to be seen to help them say. we've recruited inclusively no you haven't you've recruited the exact same person that you were always going to recruit it's just my names on there i don't want to be associated with that but they are using they're picking an agency because it will look like they're being inclusive that
0: it doesn't start and end there (laughs)
1: it's not my job (laughs) i don't work work for you guys
0: Do you ever come in at kind of like the end point? Maybe you've hired someone and you find out they're leaving or something for whatever reason. Do you ever sort of ask, Well, how was it? How's Absolutely. your experience? Feedback is so important. With Valued, I'm very, very candidate
1: focused. And I've always had that feedback from managers God, you're very candidate focused. Whereas recruiters are very client focused. That's the commission. That's where the money's coming from. I'm very candidate focused. That's where the heart is. That's where the interesting stories lay. And I always ask for feedback. It is imperative. And I want feedback feedback on my service as well. How can I get better? How did you feel? Did I empower you? You know, how was that experience for you? But also for clients, how was it really to work there? And then that builds this picture for you for the future. You know, that's not going to be a great environment for my candidate, and I don't want to be associated with that. Or they really did practice what they preached. They were wonderful. They were supportive when the shit hit the fan because someone's family member was poorly. They really supported that that individual. They couldn't do enough for them. So, feedback is incredible. Incredibly important, and it's a very, very insular place. The charity sector. Yeah. We all, we all talk. We all yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. we all hear about these big brand
0: names. We have yeah. our own stories to tell. So you've got to be careful because we yeah. all talk. Yeah, absolutely. And we did an episode on Glassdoor, um, oh, well, where we yeah, actually read some comments <laughs> about. So and it was a great. It was a really fun. Episode. It was a really <laughs> funny episode.
2: And my the favorite part of that was that we then got emails back of people saying, "Here's my Glassdoor review." Oh, well, <laughs> Like, oh, cool. Like, we've created audience (laughs) engagement. Like, this is fun. But that's the thing. There are so many ways to give feedback on your work environment. And I think that it's important to do it in any space that you can because it helps other people to know what it could be like in that situation. So, yeah, I just. I, yeah. li- I like your approach. Yeah, I'm into too. it. I'm into it. Because I've worked with a recruiter once, and she was really, really great. Well, the first time was not so great. She sent me to a job, and I was like, I don't know why I'm here. They didn't know why I was oh, there. No. And they were like, so what do you know about, like, the British parliamentary system? And I was like, I oh, just got to this country 45 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, I question. know there's wigs <laughs> sometimes. And they were like, okay cool bye i was like okay <laughs> bye but then after that it was you know much nicer and she followed me along on my journey and then at a certain point she kind of disappeared but i wonder the utility of like staying in contact with somebody and building a relationship so that you've got that same candidate focused for how long yeah
1: i feel quite proud that i hopefully and i've been told by candidates i've created a safe space for them and I don't think there is many safe spaces for candidates to go and say look this is what I'm going through you know candidates come to me and say we're trying for a baby what does that look like in six months nine months time should I go for this job and I'm like right let's sit down and look at what maternity you're owed and I'm a massive advocate for pregnancy to not be a barrier to the workplace and to career progression but it is it is Mm. there's no denying that but it shouldn't be but I've created hopefully that safe space for candidates to say to me these are our future plans how can work fit into that what should I do And it's trying to empower people To be their real selves Rather than just try and squeeze them Into a predetermined job description And say this is what you look like This is who you are No you're a real person With your own story So hopefully that safe space Means that we have that future relationship Where that's great I found something brilliant for them But in three years time It doesn't quite fit With where they want to go in their life So let's have that conversation And yeah it's lovely I do place candidates Throughout their career You know from the last 12 years I've recruited people say three times Into different jobs Which is a lovely thing I'll see you next
0: I'll see you next time yeah and a real comfort knowing that you know them and their journey yeah. Yeah. what I want to do is kind of duplicate you a couple of times and put you into human resources in every organisation <laughs> that I've worked for yeah. oh, and HR pushback
1: mm-hmm. all the time with is me it? Yeah. all the time and again I'm like okay goodbye because you are the ones implementing policies and if you have that attitude the chief executive might be great the hiring manager might be great if you aren't on board yeah. I can't do much with that thank you
2: I have had one one good HR team and it's because I learned how to keep them happy. what they did is they would pool the professional development money and team managers would have to battle for that money. But what I would do is I'd bring the HR department like chocolates and like all this shit, like cookies. And I was always like, how are you? You okay? Like it just was like really, really nice to them because everybody hates HR. Everybody. And I was like, oh yeah, no, great. I love it. And I would just like take them out to drinks. And I always got the majority of the professional development money because I was like, if people don't use it, I'll take it. And they're like, just take it. They're not going to use it okay, cool. And I'm like, yeah, I know. remember my team was sick. They don't have enough days off. We know what can we do? <laughs> when I got better at working with them, then I started to see yeah. the benefits of them working with me. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's a different story. I
0: suppose. <laughs> you mentioned earlier the recruitment organizations that are a bit like cowboys. Mm-hmm. Are you also trying to influence them? Because ultimately yeah. you can't work with every charity in the entire sector I'm sure everyone would love you to. Mm-hmm. But if they're still doing crazy practices, mm-hmm. are you also influencing them sideways? Yeah. So
1: again, I'm doing things quite differently. I'm sharing my secrets with the world. You know, on LinkedIn, <laughs> you see yeah, me raging yeah. and you see me saying, I will, you know, what are your maternity policies like? We need to advertise these. If you don't put parental leave policies yeah. on your job descriptions, how can anyone thinking of starting a family apply for that role you know what's your adoption leave policies like and i'm calling people out and saying this isn't good enough your salaries aren't on there again just being quite pissed off with everyone out there. and i suppose i'm sharing my secrets as to what i'm doing and why i'm different but it's because i don't care i don't care about being the only one doing this i want everyone to be doing this because that's the right thing to do so i absolutely want everyone to follow suit and there are some good organizations that are they are thinking okay shit we probably best Put that parental leave policy on there. Oh, God. But I don't want to stop there. They can be doing so much better. And yeah, I'm just constantly furious with everyone, to be honest.
0: Constantly <laughs> furious is the hashtag where you're sort of tagline.
2: <laughs> that, could, that could just be the title of this um, episode as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I love it. <laughs> for example,
1: I shared a few months ago techniques for clients interviewing a candidate and for candidates interviewing. And someone said to me, why are you putting it out there? You're sharing that with everybody. And I said, I don't care. I want everyone <laughs> to get better. I'm not keeping this for me. It's not some secret. We should all be getting better for the sake of candidates, for the sake of the charity sector and I also I've got a lot of allies that I'm really really proud of who I'm trying to learn from and I'm trying to shout about them to everybody as well I'm not keeping them to myself and a lot of people again are saying but they might get work that you won't because you're you're trying to shout about other people what are you doing and again I I don't care this isn't about me making as much money as I possibly can it's about making a true difference and allyship has been something that I've been really proud of and very insistent on Because, again, my lived experience is in a particular area, but people are going through a lot of different things that I don't have any understanding of. So, for example, I'm allied with an anti-bullying campaign charity called Speak Out Revolution. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a bit like Glassdoor, really, in that they're really supporting those that are bullied internally in the charity sector. So I'm working with them and trying to promote them so that candidates have a safe space To go to, I'm sure you've heard of Martha Awajobi, who's doing fantastic, fantastic stuff. I'm supporting the convention soon that she's putting on, which is absolutely amazing. I can't do all of this on my own, and it's only when you hold other people up and support others that you're going to make a real difference. Rather than just sitting here and taking it all for myself, you're not going to do much with that. Yeah, that's I a mean, quote.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what an amazing approach. And I think it's one of the reasons why we reached out to you is you are a vocal. You're putting the videos out there. You're putting the tips, and it's so different. When I'm looking at other recruitment people, no one is boring. Yeah, <laughs> well, no one is like really putting it out there and honestly saying, "Here's a client I worked with. They were amazing because they did this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. Like nobody is saying that. Mm-hmm so it's refreshing and it's different but again it's that question of like why has no one done this before because it just feels so
2: I think we're constantly surprised at the things that feel disruptive and revolutionary because we're Mm. like but just being inclusive in your workforce yes new yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah,
1: Yeah. and you can't believe the fights I have it's Mm. it's just ridiculous to me it's absolutely ridiculous arguing over someone working three days a week or four days a week why? they're Mm. absolutely shit hot they're the best candidate out there they will give you so much in three days well you're just going to get an average person but they can cover five days a week why are we arguing? I don't get it so there's all these arguments that we're still having that make no sense to me and I just want to be aligned with people that get it truly get it same
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. me too so maybe just a couple of takeaways I am getting from you just Treating people like they're individuals, that they have their unique experiences, and not that they're static, that actually they will change. And again, it just feels so logical. But I think saying it out loud, you know, understanding how that fits into the recruitment process. And also, a couple of hot tips for us maybe asking those critical questions of the organization you're interviewing with, like treat them as if you're interviewing them. Exactly. Do you actually want to work for them? And a good test is, you know, are they accepting the com- uncomfortable conversations or questions that you're asking. So yeah, these are some things I'm definitely going to take away.
2: For me, it's a strategy perspective or thinking about organizations and how organizations as a whole can be different. We always say, not just us, but we the universe of thinking people say the more diversity you have within your organization, the better. Because you have different people, different perspectives, you're finding new ways to solve old problems. But I don't think organizations have ever taken it to the next step of saying, okay, we want diverse people in here, but with that diversity comes new ways that we need to think about how to bring those people in or how to make it accessible for them to come into this space. And things just thinking about if people are parents, what are the unique needs that they would have to coming into this space? You want happy whole people in your workforce. Mm -hmm. Make them happy, whole. People make it good for them. It's just, I think it's, I think this total person perspective is something I really, really like. We were working with They were saying, yeah, we we really want to hire people who are different, who are from our beneficiary communities. And I was like, okay, you've got some limitations here. For example, one, you don't need us to be consultants for you. We have some knowledge. But the knowledge that you're asking for, we're taking from other people. You just need somebody who can listen, who can have good interviewing skills. But in this example, if you don't pay somebody for 60 days after they've started working, then that's going to be a barrier to lots of people. If one of the things that you put is the expectation of an education, how often are you using your degrees in this work? Not really. There you go.
0: (laughs) Never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that
2: sort of math GCSE I did many years ago. I mean... Yeah. Is, is anybody using algebra? No. <laughs> <Right>. No. <laughs> so, like, these things, these expectations, what they do is they don't... Exactly what you said before, they're reinforcing all of the barriers. So somebody may not have a formal education, but why haven't they had a formal education? And yeah. is actually, do we give a shit? Probably not. What you want is a person and what they can Let's contribute see in the, the totality of their experiences in their life.
1: And how rich will your organization be? Yeah. How, how rich will that be with diversity and, and thought if you had candidates from different backgrounds and that were currently living through different things? Yeah. How amazing would that charity be if you embrace that rather than just saying
2: no? Absolutely, well, yeah. It, it is just a hard thing for people to think about, though. Mm-hmm. We're doing a project now with- And they said, we saw that you haven't put any money for in-person data collection. I was like, no, we have a member on our team who lives in He's very competent and capable to do this work. We don't need to replace him. And they said, OK, and now talk us through the salary. I was like, well, he is equal to us. So he's getting paid the same amount as us. This is our line. Yeah, this is our yeah. position. We're not going to. I was like, I don't care about cost of living. People want to make that argument. And I, f- I understand where that situates itself. The first time we did it, it was hard to throw that out because I was like, I don't know what people are going to do because it's a little bit different from what people yeah. have done. But they were like, no, we think that's great. It's a great idea. And I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> But maybe cool. that's
0: also about being strong in your values, like very yeah. much like, you know, you are staying steadfast to it and yeah. people have a respect, hopefully, for that Pro.
2: Right. Yeah, the second time we did it, they, they didn't mention it at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay. i right. bored now. Because I was ready. <laughs> I was ready to fight.
0: <laughs> and I must say, I know, I love, I think it's your email address. It's you're valued. You I are just, valued. Yeah, I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. 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 And
1: oh. every time I place a candidate in a job, I'm sending them a notebook and it says, you are valued, Jane, oh, or you nice. are valued, whoever. Oh, um, so nice. they can always look at that they can always every day open up and just know they are valued. And that's hopefully, hopefully where I've placed them, they will feel like that every day. Oh,
2: oh, nice. It sounds like you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> very optimistic that they do feel valued.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. I've loved this. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank I've learned a lot. I can't wait for your hot red tips or red flags, should I say. <laughs> yeah. I need a list of those.
2: Red hot tips, blacklist.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: those are all the things you need. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. It's the first time I've
2: chatted in a campervan. this is awesome this is so <laughs> yeah. cool. great amazing well i'm tia i'm lauren i'm anna and this has been the journey to transformation thanks so
0: much thanks, thanks. bye bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of journey to
2: transformation leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast
0: journey to transformation is written and edited by us tia Rogers and lauren Burroughs. our music comes from praz canal